0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Association NBA podcast where we are talking about real live actually happening NBA regular season basketball that matters and we couldn't be more excited. It is November 6th, 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 a day in November 5th, Uh, I'm so deliriously happy I can't keep my day straight but here we are, I'm Sam Ruth here, I'm joined by (laughs) Tommy Wood who thankfully did know the date. Tommy, how are you?
1: i am doing great man it feels so good to be talking about like live action things that are actually happening it just sometimes with all the like other with all the other stuff there is to talk about in the nba off the court uh sometimes the actual games get lost in the shuffle a little bit but you know they're the whole reason we talk about anything so it's uh
0: it's good it's nice to have all the palace intrigue behind us for a while. It's fun and exciting. Uh but but you're right. It's all pointing towards this and now we've got a whole lot of this about five or six games depending on the teams into the NBA season uh or seven. Um and that's enough not exactly to to make full-on assumptions but to make like some half-baked assumptions. So we'll we'll do plenty of partial baking today before we dive too deep into that, though. The breaking news of the day was um, a suspension—a 25-game suspension for Hawks forward John Collins for um, violating the league PED player performance-enhancing drug policy. Um, he claims it was something he didn't realize was in the pill that he took, but either way, sure, John. yeah, uh, he's been suspended, and now. Just- he is the third player to be suspended in this season. Also Wilson Chandler and DeAndre Ayton before the season. Uh they weren't all for the same thing. I don't know the hormones well. I don't use performance enhancing drugs, but either way these guys <laughs> all violated this as ESPN's uh guy who used to be with the Nets say this is this is unprecedented. Um Bobby Marks. So Bobby this is Marks. weird. Yeah. This doesn't happen. Um it is really weird it's especially weird that somebody of John Collins' caliber and Deandre Ayton's caliber is being suspended cuz usually I feel like it's guys on like the washed spectrum
1: yeah a guy like Wilson Chandler who has really struggled the last few years with injuries like he's the exact type of guy who you would expect you know he wants like he's a competitive guy obviously he loves playing basketball he wants to pick up a few more checks I'm sure too so you'll do whatever you can to extend your career and recover from the injuries that unfortunately you've been dealing with for uh, you know, for pretty much your entire career. Uh and so it's like it's really it's understandable for a guy like Wilson Chandler. I don't um I'm not I'm not sure what's going on with DeAndre Ayton and John Collins though. Uh it's just so unprecedented to see two young superstars, not maybe not superstars, but potential superstars get get busted for something like this
0: i'll tell you what's going on man what's going on is i'm putting on my tin hat they all do it a bunch (laughs) of guys do it and the league knows it's terrible if they get caught so they're just turning a blind eye as often as they possibly can and i guess some people are just fucking up too bad that's 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 the hill i'll die on
1: that's the thing i think you're right uh i think a lot of guys do do it and my my take on this is that I really don't care if players use steroids and I don't think it's bad for the NBA if players use PEDs. What I think is bad for the NBA is having reputation as a league where players use PEDs. And the only way you gain that reputation is by suspending your own players. I really think that NBA kinda should have just turned a blind eye to this. Um I think they would have been better off for that, you know, and I just I was thinking a lot about this, uh, at work today and, uh, yeah, sorry, boss, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this today and I was comparing it to baseball, uh, and that situation. And I just, I think the NBA kind of needs to understand that it's demographic of fans and media, uh, this generation, you know, this younger generation that is, makes up the majority of NBA fans and NBA media don't really care about uh PEDs the way baseball fans and baseball media did back in the late 90s like you know you had player uh media snooping in Mark McGuire's locker to see you know what if he had anything hidden in there what what NBA journalist is going to do that you know what NBA fan is going to uh you know legitimately like stop watching the game uh because the the purity of it has been ruined you know what NBA Hall of Fame voter is going to leave someone off their ballot for using PEDs. I just don't think it's going to happen. I I think the NBA really... I think they kind of failed to understand what really matters here. And it's not protecting the game. It's not busting people for using performance-enhancing drugs. It's putting the most entertaining product possible out there on the court. And by suspending DeAndre Ayton and John Collins they actively worked against that. And by suspending Wilson Chandler, I mean, that's just, it's just kind of pointless. You know, I I really don't think it serves anybody well for the NBA to be doling out these suspensions.
0: I think in terms of on-court product, that's correct. And so for me to assume that the league has some kind of United plan and idea behind this beyond, oh, you can't use the things that got banned in the CBA, it's it's drawing attention to these guys who were a little too obvious about it that the league could catch them. And using this slap on the wrist, I mean, 25 games is way more than a slap on the wrist, but using these now high-profile cases uh, as a way to tell the rest of the league, like, look, just because just most of you guys never get caught doesn't mean you can't. It's not, it's not a free-for-all, you know? um yeah. but just just to reiterate once more because we both said it but i still think this is the biggest point like it is terrible for the nba if guys keep getting caught with performance enhancing drugs and yeah i'm not going to pretend to know the health consequences but i really hope and kind of believe that these guys make enough money and care enough about their bodies that Whatever regimens they're on and and things they're using, you know, I don't think this is straight up anabolic steroids. Like, I, I think it's a different category. Yeah, I think
1: I think we're past the point of it, like injections in your yeah. butt. Yeah, I mean, I hope know? so
0: at least. You know, so so <laughs> yeah. I have to believe that these guys are doing what's best for themselves. Um, it it's probably pretty easy if you know exactly what these things do for your body to make the argument that it's more about recovery, staying healthy than any kind of huge competitive advantage that one can garner from them. So, I don't know. The, the, the,
1: yeah, cuz I mean, guys like so, sorry, I sorry, you finish your thought. I mean, look, DeAndre Ayton is pretty jacked, but a guy like John Collins, like he's he doesn't look like someone who's been taking steroids to build muscle, you know? And, and maybe may that maybe the appearances are, are deceiving, but I I think you're right in that I think there's a lot more to this in the recovery aspect than in guys just trying to get jacked because there are a lot of ways that that's disadvantageous to an NBA player.
0: Yeah. They, they need endurance. Um, in yeah. a lot of cases more than they need to just have show muscles. I mean, look at, <laughs> wow. I can't believe this point I'm about to make. Dwight Howard has been playing really well and it's like the thinnest we've seen him in his entire career. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's just one guy. Yeah. look that, I mean, you know,
1: yeah, but look at how skinny Lou Williams is, and it doesn't stop him from getting to the basket and finishing through contact and drawing fouls. I, you know, Steph Curry is, yeah. uh, is defined, but he's skinny as hell. He, you know, he can get to the rim too. I, I think, honestly, if you look at uh, as far as shooting goes, the best shooters in the league are, you know, they're all skinny. There really aren't any great shooters that are just yoked, you know? <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I, I think – I don't see why an NBA player would be just taking these substances just to build, build pure muscle. So if they're playing an 82-game schedule, even though it's been eased up in terms of back-to-backs and four-out-of-fives, that's a lot of travel, that's a lot of minutes, and I don't blame a guy for need, for thinking they need to take the extra step to just stay out there.
0: I mean, one needs to look no further than Paxter Holmes' piece that came out right before the season about the consequences of yeah. the sleep deprivation, essentially, that these guys have over the course of an 82-game season, how we don't even realize it and how it, it's inevitable they will play on a back-to-back where they're basically asleep on the court and how much more prone they are to be injured in situations like that. But, you know, I, I think we've weirdly gone, like, we, we've leaned super into this whole, like, use steroids thing. I think that we're now 10 minutes deep and it's totally what we sound like right now. And I don't know. I don't want these guys to cheat. I don't want yeah. everybody to have some advantage. Another guy doesn't have access to, or, or again, to do something that's But they, Don't they like, all have access to it? I think they do though. I think at, you're right. At
1: some up, yeah. 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 I don't know. I also wonder, you know, if a guy like Blake Griffin say, isn't taking PEDs, I, I wish
0: he would. Give he him would. some. Yeah.
1: Because then, that, because, yeah, because then yeah. he might be out there on the court more and like that, that would be awesome. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> look, and it's different for these guys who are professionals and have access to the best medical care, the best doctors, people who, you know, know what they're talking about and can help them use these in a way that won't hurt their health. Hopefully that's different than if you're in college or high school or playing youth sports. Um, and you don't have access to those same resources. That's that's a whole other condition. It's a whole other situation, but these guys are professionals and they're adults and they, you know, if they don't know what they're doing, then that's their responsibility.
0: My last thing on this, and we really got to move on because we're, we're moving into 15 minutes on steroids. <laughs> um, it's also kind of farcical, the whole enforcing the... the performance dancing drug policy because they do a certain amount of tests during the season, and once you get tested the last time, I think it's four, maybe three, you know you're not getting yeah. tested anymore the rest of the season. Yeah,
1: because they test the whole league at the same so, time.
0: And, and then for the whole playoffs, they never get tested. So it's absurd yeah. to imagine that somebody going into the most important games of the year and has the chance to recover faster <laughs> and knows they won't be tested isn't going to you know, yeah. use – something that could aid them in that so I, I don't know it's it's all kind of a farce and it just it honestly sucks for the Hawks because John Collins is probably the second best player on that team and they really were playing some exciting basketball and I'm sure they still will but now it's a really big hole to fill for them
1: yeah And it, it sucks too I was looking at the numbers um you know because John Collins missed the first 15 games of last season with an injury and uh Trey Young was a different player Uh, before John Collins came back and after John Collins came back. Um, Before, in in those first 15 games, Trey Young, uh, 50% true shooting, which is just atrocious. He was 40% from the field, 26% from three. He was a minus, his net rating was minus 19. Uh, After John Collins returned, Trey Young was 42% from the field, 34% from three, 55% true shooting, which is about league average, and he was a minus eight net rating. So, the, just that difference alone was stark, and the way their games complement each other, and the way John Collins with his ability to screen and roll to the rim, uh, finish explosive lobs, uh, create spacing by by sucking people in with his with his rolling, and uh, he's getting better at spacing the floor. So uh yeah it really sucks for the Hawks because it hurts their offense and it hurts Trey Young in just about every way
0: and thankfully to reverse your phrase there it, it does hurt Trey Young but thankfully Trey Young is not too hurt he he had that kind of uh worrisome looking ankle injury a couple games ago where he rolled it something fierce but uh he's gonna be back whenever they play tonight or tomorrow or whenever so at least he'll still be be there and um I guess probably DeAndre Hunter or Cam Reddish kind of kind of step up a bit in in John Collins' place.
1: Yeah. Let's see. They just tipped Jabari. off against the Spurs. And yeah, it looked yeah, Jabari Parker. That makes sense. I mean, he's he pretty much only play the four. Yeah. He the one thing he can do is get you buckets, which is I think mostly what they're going to miss with with Collins out. Yeah. But yeah,
0: that's interesting. Chandler Parsons, Yeah. <laughs> No, just kidding. Is he even on the team? He doesn't get. He's not even on the show. He has a number. Right yeah. now, yeah. Oh, Chan. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Tommy, we are going to go to a uh, segment we just made up before the pod started called <laughs> Shine or Shit. We're either going to we're either going to shine up some teams who are off to a great start, or we're going to shit on some teams who are just not getting the season on the right foot. So. Um, <laughs> I cede you the floor. Choose any team in the league who you would like to either shine or shit.
1: Uh well, I I think I think we got to start with Golden State Warriors oh. just because the last time we talked, I said they are going to make the Western Conference Finals. Uh yeah. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to no. happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't either, man. <laughs> I didn't then, and I don't (laughs) know.
1: Yeah, we don't have to spend a lot of time on them, but, uh, you know, it just, first of all, I mean, it sucks the injuries that they have had to deal with in such a short period of time. Um, but even before Steph got hurt, uh, and Draymond and Kevon Looney and D'Angelo Russell, uh, and everybody else got hurt. Uh, you know, even when they were whole their first couple games of the season, it really did look like the worst case scenario, and everything that could have gone wrong with that team that I convinced myself uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green and D'Angelo Russell were good enough to cover for, uh, it turns out those problems were just were just too bad that that you know it, it was just impossible to overcome. Uh, their defense was just completely atrocious. I mean, they just could not stop anybody. And that was the biggest problem. And, uh, that's, that's really only going to be exacerbated from here on out. And I also just kind of forgot, um, or I guess over, not, not forgot. I just overlooked how shitty everyone else on this team is. Uh, you know, I texted you that when I first saw Eric Pascal, <laughs> like some tubby dude, wearing number yeah. seven, I legitimately thought they had signed Joe Johnson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um and Pascal's actually actually been playing pretty well to start his career, but you know, these other guys, Damian Lee, Jordan Poole has just been atrocious. Uh, you know, Alec Burks has not been good. Larry spellman has not been I mean, really no one on this team outside of uh Steph Curry and Draymond Green played uh, even passably well at the beginning of the year, and they're out, and this team, this, yeah, they're, they're fucked. Uh, is basically all there is to it, and I was probably foolish to believe in them in the first place.
0: I don't think you were, because because it's really hard to look past top tier talent like they have. If Steph, Dre, and D'Lo were all healthy, those three alone or can get you most of the way there. So it's it's gonna be okay, Tommy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're also right that they're 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 pretty fucked um so they're just gonna suck this season and to let Steph yeah. take as long as he needs to come back and now I guess Draymond and whoever else and uh just take your lumps you know and it's the it's the curse of uh of Roracle
1: yeah I mean it's it's gonna be ugly I think I mean I guess you know, Russell's injury further complicates things, but uh, I think it's still more likely than not that he's going to be traded at some point this season, uh, you know, given that, uh, you know, who knows if Curry will even be playing by, at the trade deadline. Um, he probably won't be. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it looks pretty bleak this year. Um, and honestly, it, it looks pretty bleak going forward, too. Um, you know, they... Their cap situation is completely clogged up. Uh, you know, they won't have to worry about the hard cap after this year, but they still really don't have any sort of flexibility. And they have not drafted well, you know, at all, or developed well at all, really, in these, it, over the course of this five-year run. I mean, really, the only player who you can say they have developed, who they have drafted, developed, and kept and has contributed to them is Kavon Looney. I mean, all these other first-round picks that they've made, and, and granted, they've been picking at the bottom of the first round, but Damian Jones, uh, you know, has been a zero. Uh, Jacob Evans has been a zero. Jordan Bell showed a lot, uh, some really tantalizing flashes, uh, but he was in and out of the rotation, and now he's in Minnesota. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, even, even if they do get a high draft pick uh, I don't have a ton of confidence in this team I guess in their ability to to shift from a, a mode of um, contending to to retooling uh, especially because there's no one at the top of this class you know people have been comparing him to like the 97 Spurs when uh, when David Robinson went down but there's no Tim Duncan in this class there's no one who can come in And contribute to winning basketball right away, and bring the Warriors back to title contention. So, yeah, I mean it's it's rough. They might that they might have to look into trade into. You know, I mean, would they look into trading Draymond Green if if when he comes back? I mean, I I wouldn't, but I think more has to be on the table, just given how bad they looked while everybody was healthy.
0: I don't know, man. I think I think you're being a little overly pessimistic, which understood because you were being overly optimistic like two weeks ago. Um, no, you weren't. You you weren't being overly optimistic then. But now, I really don't think it's that that bad. I mean, just a bunch of guys are hurt right now, and they're going to suck this year. But you take away all the Pascals of the world and Alan Smale-adgic. <laughs> what? Who is that? Yeah. yeah but- Great Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Basketball Reference. Um, I really think that a, a Steph, Draymond, uh, Clay, core, with either D'Angelo Russell or whatever you can trade him for, with Kevon Looney, and then with whatever haul you get for your lottery pick, um, that's still a playoff team.
1: Yeah, I guess I left out the possibility of trading the pick. Yeah,
0: and, and, you know, you, maybe you trade that pick for two more picks down the line, or maybe you trade that pick for uh, a pick and a rotation guy, but they don't have to make that pick and develop that guy. It can turn into something else. Or even if they do make that pick, I mean, none of their draft picks have been home runs, but they have, uh, you know, you mentioned Jordan Bell, they've they've had a couple moments where guys have worked into the rotation. Quinn Cook um, wasn't awesome, but played some minutes for them throughout his time there. So, uh, I think it'll. I think it'll be okay. I think they'll be back in the playoffs next year if everybody comes back healthy and shit. I mean, they signed Mar- Marquise Chris, so do something like that. You're you're bound for success.
1: Yeah, swinging for the fences, right yeah,
0: there. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> ultimate trade demand, Marquise Chris. I mean, maybe he'll maybe he'll ask off of this team in a couple months too. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Good luck, Marquise.
0: All right. Well, that
1: <laughs> I don't know. You pick yep. one now. That's that's enough time on the Warriors. That was our
0: shit on the Golden State Warriors. Now I would like to shine upon the Miami Heat because they're five and one. They are yeah. one of only six teams in the league with five wins so far. Um, and except for Phoenix, they were one of the ones I would expect the least. And the crazy thing about this is they did this for the most part without Jimmy Butler who played in half those games. So they've done it with—and Justice Winslow only played in four of them, so so really they haven't been at full strength for any of them. They had a great Duncan Robinson game. He had like 20-something points. And really, uh, handing the keys over to, to the young guns. I mean, just getting some awesome performances out of Bam out of Bio, Tyler Harrow, and um, this guy, Kendrick Nunn, who I'm not even going to pretend I knew anything about. I mean, now I know he has an unfortunate arrest in college. And, I mean, that's pretty ugly, apparently, domestic abuse. So that's not fun or violence. And you can't talk about this guy as a player, in my eyes, without talking about that. So I need to bring that up and say I'm not sure I like this guy personally. But I also can't look at this, you know, lineup of his stats over the beginning of the season and not tell you that he's playing good basketball. So he is. Um (laughs)
1: Yeah, I mean, and he completely came out of nowhere. I had never heard of Kendrick Dunn before, before he blew up. Uh, Yeah, this the Heat have been really impressive, man. Um, I want to throw some shine specifically on Goran Dragic, who has come off the bench in every game this year, but has just been fantastic. He looks like a new man. Uh, He's averaging sixteen points per game, shooting thirty nine percent from three, which is uh, better than he's shot. Since that crazy uh, uh, that crazy half season where where Miami went thirty and eleven to uh, to almost make the playoffs, um, he's only playing twenty seven minutes per game, and I think after the last couple of years where it really looked like he had lost a step athletically and just wasn't the same guy anymore, who we'd known as a great transition player and a fearless driver, uh, I'm really happy to see him. Uh, rediscover that form at the beginning of the beginning of this season, and I think the Heat have really found something with him coming in and just being able to be the guy that runs that second unit and look for his own shot. Uh, you know, while Jimmy Butler and Justice Winslow, um, you know, kind of run the offense for the first team.
0: Yeah, man, I I couldn't agree more. Um, they gave up an awful lot to get Drogic a few years ago, and his name's come up in all kinds of trade conversations. But at this point, unless they decide Chris Paul is some kind of upgrade, then um, you get the most that you can out of him. And that's exactly what they've done so far this season. Um, and if he's content yeah. to play that role, there's no reason to not do that. Cause uh, to the point you made, it's an excellent, that, that that's probably the best guy running a second unit in the league. If that's the case. Yeah,
1: he could. Yeah. I mean, right now we'll see if he, if he can keep this up, he's an easy six man of the year.
0: I don't know. There's, I there's mean, a guy in the, in is... the motor city who might have something to say about that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I was He's probably might. also
0: using PEDs. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, that's that's interesting because I was I was uh listening to a podcast earlier today. I think it was uh I think it was Simmons actually where he, he brought up uh in like Derek Rose's first or second year in the league, someone had asked him on a scale of one to ten uh how big a problem PEDs were. And he said that he said a seven. He said everybody uses them, and that he didn't like it, and that he wished uh, people would just play fair. Now, maybe he has a different tune of that after he's ha- suffered every injury in the book and almost washed out of, out of the league, and had to scrap and claw his way back to being a productive player. But I don't know. That was uh, that was a pretty interesting comment to to hear that from Derek Rose at a time when he was one of the you know top five players in the league. Um, Yeah, back to Miami. I just I also want to point out Bam Adebayo really Mm -hmm. quick. He has just you know this is his first year as a full time starter now that Hassan Whiteside is out of the picture, and he's been awesome, awesome. I mean, he's averaging five assists per game.
0: As it's like a five assists one point
1: as a center. Yeah, and this, I his playmaking was was never, you know, really a facet of his game that I thought would be. Uh, you know, would would be this good? It's not. He wasn't really known for it at Kentucky or or in his first two years in the league. Uh, but now he's given them great defense, 1.3 steals, and almost two blocks. Uh, he has, you know, I mean, he's he's showing they were right to to move on from Whiteside and and trust him with this job. He has been awesome.
0: I don't think they had to prove to anybody that moving on from Hassan Whiteside was a <laughs> idea, but they are making yeah. it look even smarter. Very true. <laughs> um yeah I mean I I think that's you know you really hit everything that that points to why miami's played so well in the early going um along with some of like just the the smaller role guys stepping up a little bit so far that I mentioned earlier so it's just cool it's fun yeah. I, I th-
1: yeah they're running again yeah, too they which are. they haven't done a ton of in the past they're eighth in pace ninth in offense and third in defense I mean they're they're legit good.
0: They've it's been big wins. It I mean they beat Houston by almost like 30. They were blowing Houston out on Sunday like 40 to yeah, 15 40, in the first quarter. Yeah.
1: Points. Yeah. Although uh that might that might have been p- kind of a schedule win for Miami too. I a little mean, South Beach Saturday. That, was an er, that, yeah. that 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 was an early Sunday morning yeah. game or s- early afternoon game. So, you know, sometimes Sometimes South Beach comes through
0: for you. Sometimes, if you, if you know how to play it. Um, all right, T-Bone, pull another team out that you want to talk about based on how they've played so far this season.
1: Man, I hate to be throwing so much shit around. I, I don't. <laughs> no, <you're not. laughs> you don't. <know what? laughs> but Sacramento, man, they have been really disappointing uh, so far this year. And, you know, it just goes back to a lot of what we were worried about when we were talking about uh, talking about them in our offseason preview, is that it's it looks like they made a really big mistake in firing Dave Yeager and bringing in Luke Walton, um, because they had something really good last year, and and that something was that they had a lot of shooting and a lot of athleticism, and they just ran and ran and ran to take advantage of that and to kind of paper over some of their deficiencies in half-court offense. Last year, uh, they were 5th in pace. They were 16th in offense, which, you know, is not great, but it's better than 27th, which is what they were right now. But, you know, what I really don't understand is is why they have slowed down so much. They are down to 26th in pace. They're averaging uh, less, basically four fewer possessions per game than they had last year. And I just don't understand why Luke Walton would come in to a team that had something that worked so well that that was its identity and just totally deviate from that. You know, it reminds me of in 2015 when Steve Kerr took over the Golden State Warriors with Luke Walton on his staff, no less uh, Steve Kerr went out of his way to not really change any, any big principles about the Warriors defense You know, they, they started switching a little bit more, but he pretty much left that defense alone because that was the strength of that team under Mark Jackson. He knew that Mark Jackson was still pretty popular in that locker room and he didn't want to change. uh, He didn't want to change something that already worked. He fixed what was broken and you know, the rest is history. I'm not saying that the Kings are a potential dynasty right now, but I just think it has, I just think there's a lot of arrogance in walking into a place and seeing something that had worked. And trying to change that for, you know, pretty pretty inexplicable reasons. Um, I thought the Kings were going to be competing for a playoff spot this year, and they, you know, they don't look anywhere close to that right now. Uh, are you are you about as low on them? I mean, they've been they've had some pretty bad losses, and starting at starting zero five is is just ugly.
0: It's tough in the West. It's it's really hard to come back from. And when one of those losses is to team like Charlotte, I mean, wh- what are you doing here? But uh, I don't know. I mean, they looked great last night, but it was the Knicks. Um, but I still think yeah. De'Aaron Fox is is great, and they've got some really great pieces around him. He gets pretty good spacing. He, his vision works really well with these guys, whether it's and, Bielitsa or Buddy.
1: The, yeah. The Bagley injury hurts too. Yeah,
0: I mean to, to lose him right off the bat for like I think it's four to six weeks they said in there. Um, so I don't know. I'm not I'm not ready to. to I, this roster interests me too much, and I think Rashawn Holmes fits really well with a lot of these guys too. So I want to see him keep playing, but starting out zero and five, you're right. It's it's really hard to blow the beginning of your season like that and expect anything big to come out of it. Um, I I want to see how the West shapes up more than more than wanting to see anything more from these guys than you know the last two games they've done enough to win they barely came out over Utah but um I don't know I I if if you could replace Luke Walton with any free agent coach right now is there a coach you would besides Jaeger
1: um <laughs> I was gonna say Dave Yeager. <laughs> like would you put Tibbs in here
0: instead of Luke Walton like what's would you go for a former player? I don't know. Would you do Bill Walton instead of Luke Walton? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I, mean... yeah, I didn't think anybody would do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, no, I, I, would, I would have stuck with the guy who brought your team closer oh, the to the yeah. playoffs than it had been in more than a decade. Freaking Vladi. Uh, you know, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there have been some guys who have been struggling. You know, Buddy Heald is shooting... from three he that's you know low for him uh Bogdan Bogdanovich has really struggled but he's also playing more than four fewer minutes per game than he did last year um and that's like that's honestly one of my bigger or that was my biggest problem with Luke Walton in in LA was that he his rotations and his lineups were never really coherent and he never was really able to establish a system that that put his players in position to succeed. Um, and, and just the fact that, that he's walked in and had them slow down their pace to a crawl kind of makes me wonder if he's, you know, if he's changed at all from, from those days. Um, so I don't, I don't know, like it, it, I don't want to blame it all on, on Luke Walton, but that's really the one thing they changed this off season is they fired, they fired their coach and they brought in another coach. um, and every, you know, other than some additions and you know, around the margins on the roster, nothing else really changed.
0: And And this is what so. you get. Yeah, you you lose continuity with a good coaching staff and replace it with Luke Walton's endless shrug emoji. And you know, this <laughs> is where we are. I know I'm supposed to pick a team to <laughs> shit on now. And I guess I would pick the Bulls, except, I, except I— We've
1: had enough negativity. I know,
0: I know. So I'm, I'm just going to briefly say the Bulls have started out 2-5. and five. That's about as bad as I personally expected them to. It's just below what everybody else thought they would do. And I, I do uh, think they'll even out and be a little on the periphery of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, but I still don't see them making it. I would like to shine the Phoenix Suns, who, yes. who are kind of like— what people thought the Bulls would be doing in the East, they're do actually doing it in the West with with Aaron Fucking Baines shooting almost fifty percent from three, running the pick and roll with Devin Booker. It's it's just Baines is good. It brings a tear to your eye. It makes you wonder: should we just keep pumping DeAndre Ayton full of PEDs and let this thing roll?
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, these this team could easily be undefeated. Both of their losses only came by a point. Uh really the most encouraging thing about them has been just how phenomenal Devin Booker has looked. Like he's not going to shoot 50% from 3 for the rest of the season, but just the command he's had running their offense um and just the ease with which he's been able to get shots up and I think kind of going back to what we talked about in our preview is that Ricky Rubio has made his life so much easier because now he finally has somebody to feed him shots. Um, but, you know, the addition of Dario Saric, I think has been really positive. Um, Frank Kaminsky is playing the best basketball of his career, which is saying nothing, but still. And yeah, Bain, Baines has been awesome. Um, Kelly Oubre has been playing really well. This is, I, I'm I'm a lot, I'm a long way from saying they're going to be second in the West all season. Uh, but this is a really positive step. This is this is fantastic for a team that we thought was going to be the worst in the West.
0: Oh yeah, it it's you know if you told me they didn't have five wins till till Thanksgiving or like till December, I would have been yeah. like, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Them and the Knicks, right? But uh, I mean, yeah. Rubio just seems like he was just a prudent signing, and dude's averaging almost nine assists a game. He's just worked yeah. really well with the rest of this team. Almost
1: two steals too, that's,
0: and that's awesome to to show them hey, here's...
1: Like he's, like, he's finally given given them some decent backcourt mm-hmm. defense. Like, they haven't had anything like that in a long Let's time. I feel
0: like you get a veteran like that and, and, and Baines, too, and they're both just like, here's how you play defense, guys. Like, get your yeah. hands up, communicate, please. Like, we're not putting up with this shit. We came here, and yeah, we're not exactly. just going to let people run all over us because that's not, that's not the reason those guys are in the league. They have to do that to stay in the league, and they don't care what these young kids are up to, so... It's great. It's a great example to play around, and uh, yeah, I just—it's so cool to see Rubio kind of unlocking this uh, way for Booker to play and still pour it in, but also be within like a functioning offense and also be looking for the open man and and win some games. And hopefully, they keep it up. It'd be yeah. really cool to see them in the playoffs. Yeah,
1: it it would. Um, and you know, I think I, I didn't really know. Uh, yeah, I didn't, re- I didn't really know much about Igor Kokoshkov and I, I thought this is the decision to move on from him after one season was maybe just a little imprudent, uh, if anything. But, you know, it seems like that was honestly a positive move, and Monty Williams has been really good this year, I think especially for their performance on defense. Uh, you know, he has always been a good defensive coach, and it's pretty clear that the players respond to him in a way they didn't respond to Kokoshkov. Um and obviously the additions of just solid veterans like Baines and Rubio are just huge because they they have literally haven't had anyone like that on this team. It I mean, unless you want to count Tyson Tyson Chandler, um, but he was you know really past his prime. These are veterans who are still playing at a high level, which I think gives them a little bit more clout in the locker room.
0: I think so too. I like it. All right, T Bone, I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you a little treat, okay? You ready? Alright. I'm gonna I'm ready. I'm gonna let you go to Krav Maga. How's that sound? Alright. That sounds for solid. Alright, cool. I'm up e- for everybody, it. Everybody, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this first episode of the new regular season. We're gonna have so much more for you coming in the weeks ahead. And uh I personally can't wait. There's a lot of good basketball to be played this season and hopefully these players start doing more stealthy PEDs so they stop getting hurt and they do it stealthy enough to not get caught. But uh any last words for the folks out there, Tommy? One one golden week into this season.
1: You know, I just hope we have better luck with in terms of health and uh you know, players getting someone else to piss for them than we have so
0: far. Hey man, Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. For- No argument here. For the Association NBA (laughs) podcast. I'm Sam Ruth here. He's Tommy Wood. We'll be back again very soon. Thank you for listening. As always.